I like to say there's days where you get nothing done and there's days where you get four days of work done in one day. Uh, and so I just don't think <laughs> I'm fairly unemployable when it comes, like, I don't think I could be a good employee at all. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. I'm Brooks O'Hearn, joined by my co-host, Kate Murphy, and today we've got a very special guest, Cole Rude Johnson. Cole, I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah this is fun. awesome. Now, now, Cole, you and I connected over Twitter, and um, got to say, I'm, I'm super impressed. For for those of you guys listening, um, Cole is a remarkable uh, investor, and just the things that uh, the the way that you're already teaching and and sharing your story on Twitter really struck me. And then you and I have had some conversations. Um, a few of my favorite things, a little internet battles with uh, some other people in the real estate world and, and some, uh, some controversial threads. So um, that's, that's the way to go. But Cole, tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get started. Absolutely. So yeah, I, um, I've been in, I'm only 24, turning 25 in May, but I've been in this space for almost seven years. So um, it hasn't necessarily been an overnight thing at all. So I dropped out of college um, when I was 18, I did running start in high school, which for those that are listening and aren't familiar with running start, it's a program at some high schools in some states that allows you your junior and senior year to take all your classes at a college or community college. So you get all your prereqs done and you graduate with two years of college done. And I was also a big basketball player. So I had a spot on a team down in LA. And so I went down for a, for really the first half of my first year. And I remember sitting in accounting class and I was like, this is just not what I want to be doing with my life. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and, you know, always growing up through high school, middle school, I never could, you know, wrap my brain around working for someone else. So I always had that itch to, you know, I've never had a job. Anytime I needed to make money growing up in high school, I was, uh, you know, working in my parents' business or I was, um, you know, teaching basketball. I was doing, I was training kids on the side. So I never, I could never wrap my hand, my head around that. So kind of fast forward, I, I leave college. I drive home on a Tuesday afternoon. I left class, packed my stuff up in my car and drove home. Um, and uh, I had to get my broker's license the month, the, the summer prior because my brother was a broker. My mom had been a broker. My great grandma had been a broker. My grandma had been a broker. So my family was a lot of real estate brokers. None of them had done anything with flipping off market, anything of that nature, but a lot of them were brokers. So I had basic understanding of, hey, that could be a decent way to make money. What I didn't know is, you know, at 18 years old, it's not the easiest thing to do to, uh, you know, convince someone in Bellevue, Washington with their million and a half dollar house to, to, uh, to sell you. So that was the harder part. So I got home, I moved brokerages three or four times. I tried to blame it on the brokerage and kept doing open houses, kept calling expired listings. I was doing uh, buyer showings for people and you're just hustling, trying to figure out a way to, uh, to get some traction, you know, still living at home. And then, you know, I would say probably six or eight months into my kind of broker journey, I, I hung my license at a, um, at a brokerage who had a kind of an off market side. They were, they were bringing investors in on Thursday nights to their company and they're previewing auction deals. They're going to hit the auction steps the next day and, and selling them and taking hard earnest money checks that they could take to the auction steps and bid on deals for them. And they were putting 10, $20,000 assignment fees on the deals. And I'm like, what is an assignment fee? What is this? And coincidentally, actually, you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, things kind of just align at, at the right time for you, you know, if you go all in. So the next day I was at Applebee's with a buddy of mine who became my first business partner, you know, we're having the two for 20 wings and um, 
things that you do at Applebee's. And uh, I pulled up my Instagram and I saw this kid on, the, on my story posting this $40,000 wholesale check that he just did um, in uh, Tacoma, Washington. And, you know, he was a younger guy too. And that, that's why I post a lot of what I do because it kind of, it makes it tangible for people. And, you know, they were more on the flashy side. Um, here's my car, here's my shoes, here's my private jet flight. And we don't, I don't do a ton of that, but it still made it tangible for me and go, okay, you know, this is something that I actually can do. You know, so from that that time on, the next day, um, you know, my business partner at the time, Paul, my first business partner, he was a, a football player at UW, a running back. So he quit the team and left school. And I uh, I sat in my parents' upstairs room, pretty much an attic. And, you know, we were cold calling a random list we got from a title company, just trying to get our first deal. And so that was that was kind of the beginning of the origin story, right? That led to, you know, after three to six months of cold calling, we got our first deal from an agent. That first deal ended up being $105,000. And... Um, so I can go into the specifics of that, but in terms of getting into the business and my intro into real estate and, you know, making my first dollar in real estate, that was my, my journey. I love that. I love that. Now <clears throat> you said that was a hundred and five, uh, $105,000 deal. You have, uh, since, since the beginning, you've only wholesaled, right? Like you, uh, I mean, or, or primarily wholesaled, um, or have you gotten into fix and flips or, or commercial or anything like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we've done uh, quite a few fix and flips. Uh, we do five to ten a year, easy, easy, easy fix and flip is fix and flips. Sorry about that. Uh, also, a lot of wholesaling. <laughs> I don't love. Uh, I don't love. That's the thing about me. I don't love real estate. I'm a bit. I like. I like building businesses. So, like our wholesale company is is a beautiful. The real estate's the product. It's what we do. It's what I know. Um, you know, the complexity of everything that comes with real estate. You still have to deal with, but um, you know, it's more so a product that we we operate in. So that the easy stuff will flip. Um, primarily be wholesale. And then, you know, I also do a lot of work with, especially moving to 2023 with larger um, operators and self-storage, multifamily, commercial, things of that nature as well. So um, I'm pretty experienced in all of it. I had a portfolio myself at one time buying a kind of lower price point duplexes that with high cash flow. I hated that. Um, it wasn't, it's just not my thing. My thing is business. So uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now on the real estate side. And that's, and we'll definitely get into uh, more of that. That's uh, something that that really stuck out to me when you and I first connected was the the business side of it because you've got your wholesaling uh, business that you've scaled, you've got your um, call center business that you scaled, and I remember seeing like one of the first uh, one of the first tweets that you and I ever connected on was um, you talking about how you built your call center. And, you know, I know Twitter is very limited on characters and, and things, but you were like, you know, you broke everything down about building your call center and you were like, here's, here's how I did it. Here's how you could do it. Like, it's super simple. Go for it. And I was like, this kid's got a brain that's way different than a lot of people, um, even people in real estate. So uh, that was, that was one thing that really stuck out to me. And for those of you guys listening, um, Cole just mentioned all the knowledge that he drops on social media. And like I said, his Twitter feed is um, full of great investing advice. So for those of you listening that want to connect with Cole, I highly recommend following him on Twitter. Uh, he's also on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram for those of you that want um, some free advice and free um, investing uh, advice. <clears throat> So check him out there. We'll have the links in the uh, in the show notes. So um, Cole, so you're you're plugging along. You were um, by the by the track record there. It sounds like you were about eighteen or nineteen when you first got your um, your first deal, and yep. then um, so you you had the business partner. Then then you started kind of growing. Let's 
let's go to when did you hit that low point that every mm -hmm. entrepreneur hits of like yeah. the the walls are kind of closing in the pit as we call it here on this show yeah yeah i call it kind of a crucible i think every every human goes through a crucible in their life that kind of shapes um the direction of their life and what they become passionate about and you know things of that nature so for me we were probably two and a half years in so we had scaled quickly we had an in-office team of 10 or 12 sales guys and a transactions team we'd grown really quickly we were doing a couple hundred grand a month and just wholesale fees and um not super profitable though i wasn't really an experienced entrepreneur and you know started to burn out um i guess i didn't know i was but you know started to kind of lose motivation started to everything kind of felt dry nothing really you know really sparked me anymore um and then i started having like weird vertigo episodes uh, if, i don't know if you guys have dealt with vertigo but vertigo is it's, it's just you start spinning the first time you it happens to you though it's like whoa what is going on and then i started having panic attacks the normal burnout kind of phases that go to, to go to panic attacks i was 19 or 20 at the time and then from there i i dealt with uh i ended up uh i guess you know I, I, i've been a carrier of lyme disease my whole life my everyone in my family is for my mom because she grew up in new york wow. where, it's, where it's prevalent so because my, my 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 health got so bad i got so stressed went downhill that kind of became active so i started getting really sick i would wake up um over a period of, of four weeks, I essentially went from playing basketball four hours a day and working eight hours a day to, um, you know, sleeping 18 hours a day. I couldn't drive. My vision got so bad because, you know, it's there's a million different things that Lyme can do to you. So my vision got so bad. My body got so weak. I could really walk, couldn't lift weights. I was shaky. I was um, pretty much everything you can think of. It was chaos for it's still, and I'm still like, I'd say I'm 95% recovered from that, but it's taken me years to kind of regain my health. So that was kind of the, the crucible I went through. And that pretty much shut down the business. Thankfully, I had a good team, so we were still making money. Um, that was the that was the beginning of the end for my first business partner and I. We just weren't aligned on where we wanted to go um, and how we wanted to build it. So we split. And then my uh, my first ever my first hire ever, Mike, who was our sales team leader, became my partner, and uh, he's still my partner to this day. We have an incredible partnership across multiple companies, and he's kind of the backbone. He's behind the scenes. He's hiring sales guys, training sales guys, making sure. Um, you know deals are getting locked up and the ship's continuing forward so uh but i was i was down and out for a year and a half pretty much of just not being able to work not being able to do anything and that's people won't know that because i was still building companies but i was building companies from my bed i was you know on my laptop in my bed and i was still doing stuff but it looked very different so that was my first that was my crucible um that i, I would say sh shook me up as an entrepreneur kind of what, what what i wanted my life to look like my days to look like my companies to look like that was the the beginning of Kind of a transition to where i'm at now which i would say is, is a very good place i still have those days where you know you're working 12 16 hours but it's very different than it was before where um you know i i know the signs of you know getting to that place and i'm never going to go back there so yeah I, I hope that answers your question uh you know i don't share that a ton but that's that's kind of my um which which shaped me a lot to be become the business yeah. owner and person i am right now well that's pretty significant too and you know Seriously. i guess most entrepreneurs are are lucky that hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But I think everyone does experience some level of burnout or health distress or some something along those lines, because all we, you know, I feel like there's kind of this message, especially for entrepreneurs who are new to the business, where it's like, you just work, 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 work. And it's like, you don't take breaks. You get to take breaks when you make the money. And it's like, yeah, that's a great message until it's not. And then you're, you're at this level of burnout where it's like, I can't even function. So like when you, I mean, you, I think you went through it worse than most people do, but like you were building businesses from your bed. How did you keep going? Yeah. You know, I think what did light me up was 
is the business side, right? It's um, so I, you know, I have no problem with that. I think that what was draining me more more than anything was, you know, I had this clock in my head of how many hours I needed to be in the office, how many hours I needed to seem productive. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up in the trap of like like busyness versus being productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what's actual moving the needle versus what's just like convincing yourself that you work harder than anyone else, which I don't think is like a badge of honor to wear anymore. I think with technology and the things we have in our um in our, you know, at our at our disposal, like I think saying you're the guy that works the hardest is kind of a it's kind of a fool's errand because, you know, no one works harder than, you know, the coal miner or, or you know, the guy that's, you know, doing doing kind of a manual labor. Like I had an uncle that was a steel worker. Um, so like we're not none of us are working harder than them. But, you know, with the technology at our disposal, it doesn't make sense to. And it's selfish because the people, you know, as your business grows, hiring people is, I think, is your duty as an entrepreneur um, is to provide opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately. That what kept me going is just my love for business, I think, at the end of the day. And just knowing that it was I, – I kind of always shaped my life around just knowing that everything's a season and that uh, it was going to shape me into the person that I, I needed to become on the other side, especially being so young, going through all of that. It's just – it made me grow up or, like, I'm 24 now, and I, I got married in May, and people are like, oh, my goodness, you're so young to be married, this and that. And I, I feel like I'm 45 just because <laughs> of the life, life experience I've had. And I have business partners that are 40 in their 40s, and I feel like I'm talking to – someone my age when I'm talking to them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think overall long-term in my life, it was, it was, it's going to be a net benefit to me. Um, but in the, in the moment it was brutal, but, you know, just telling myself that just another day and, and stay focused and, you know, spending time on what I enjoy doing, which is building companies instead of, you know, checking the box and working 12 hours a day just to say I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, <clears throat> excuse me, congratulations on getting married. And, um, the the one question I had for you was going to be when you talk about burnout, because a lot of I mean, every entrepreneur hits it. Right. And I think this is something that um, like. Did you did you have to go back to I know you said business was what really like lit your fire. Mm-hmm. Did you ever um, like go through a phase kind of where you faltered from that and you were like, I'm not even really sure. I'm not really even sure like this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And then how did you kind of refocus back into the business side? Yeah, no, I never really faltered into that, right? I faltered into like, what was I doing that put me in this situation? And, you know, if I would okay. if I would have come to the conclusion that it was just business in general, I wouldn't be here because, you know, re- getting to that point, you realize like health is more important than anything. You know, I'd rather make 50 grand a year the rest of my life working at a uh, UPS office than have to deal with that health situation again. So I think more of my conclusion was how I was, how I was doing my days versus like what I was doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that answers that somewhat. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like, uh, do I want to falter from business? It was, do I, how do I want to structure my day? So this never happens again. You know, I think again, like I talked about from middle school and high school on, like I, I never could wrap my brain around having a job. And still to this day, when you look at like my predictive in- index, everyone in our company takes like the personality, like I would be the worst employee on earth. Just the way, <laughs> just the way I like, like all yep. on type A, like you're just jumping from thing to thing. You're, uh, there's day, like I like to say there's days where you get nothing done and there's days where you get four days of work done in one day. Uh, and so I just don't think like, I, I, I'm fairly unemployable when it comes, like, I don't think I could be a good employee at all. So, uh, yeah, I was never like, Hey, is this the right thing for me or not? It was more like, you know, how do I do this and, and sustain a healthy life on top of it? Make sure I'm taking care of my physical health, my relationships, my family. And then I'm, I'm keeping my cup full. I, mean, I think as entrepreneurs, we drain our cup and pour it into our business and we tie our identity so closely to our business. So it was more a gut check for me of like, my business isn't me. 
Like I don't have to be a million. I don't have to make millions of dollars next year. Like, and just really slowing down and making sure I'm, I'm living um, the way I want to live and let business come second to that. That's awesome. That's such a unique and and very mature perspective uh, for somebody who was in their early twenties when that happened. <clears throat> that just, I mean, that's something that that you never hear about, um, al- almost never. So, what are uh, you talked about? Some of the lessons you learned. If if you could highlight some of those as you climbed out of the pit that that shaped you, and then where where are you at? Um, today let's let's dive into some of the businesses you have because i think this is uh super super yeah. important for the listeners to hear yeah i think the, the number one thing really taught me is you know leaning on people and really what delegation means you know when you're when you're sick like that you still need stuff to get done um so you know that's when i started really getting familiar with you know what is you know assigning responsibility to other people and bringing people in and trusting them mean and that that's why i've built the companies i have is because of other people and partners so um that was that was really the the main lesson I took away from that is exactly that. Like it's you'd like 20% of $10 million is much better than a hundred percent of a million dollars and hating your life. So, um, you know, kind of designing all my companies around that thesis. So right now, kind of my, I guess, quote unquote, like personal holding company of companies is I have uh, the real estate company. So we still operate. We just opened a headquarters in San Diego, a uh, pretty big headquarters. So we're a team of, 35-ish on that company. Um, that's that's mixed with about half stateside employees and about half virtual overseas. Um, and then we have, I guess, in our marketing side, we have like 50 cold callers. So that, I guess, adds to our payroll, but I don't count them as like um, internal team. Um, that's flipping wholesaling. And then we do, uh, we have a call, I have a call center I co-founded a few years ago with a couple other guys and we have two partners in that now. And we're, we expanded beyond real estate into solar and customer service and all kinds of different avenues. And um, that's a pretty incredible business. And same thing there. I, we just have a really good team, really good partners where I'm not in the day to day. I'm able to kind of do what, what's my zone of genius, which is, you know, um, working on systems and working on the division of the company. I would say like when it comes to like the, um, the integrator and the visionary, um, there's like a small subset of the population, like five to 10% that's both. And I, I think I definitely fall into that where I kind of have traits of both. So I'm able to kind of be the guy that formulates systems and the guy that runs projects and the guy that kind of drives vision which is, uh, I love doing all of it. So, uh, and then we have, we do a lot of consulting stuff. So I do consulting for, you know, newer investors all the way up to hedge funds on their off market deal sourcing efforts, whatever asset class they want to focus on. And then the single family side as well. So, um, those are kind of the things that we're, we're, we're into right now. Obviously we have some, as every entrepreneur does, there's always things that catch my eyes. I'm like, Ooh, I want to try that. But I, I try to stay kind of to my four or five things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. That shiny object syndrome. No, it, it'll get every one of us. It'll get every one of us. <clears throat> um, tell us a little bit about uh, hiring. And, and you know, you mentioned that you had to learn the lesson of um, 20% of 10 million is way better than 100% of 1 million. And, and especially the underlying message, I just want to highlight this here for a second. Um, the underlying message that I really love hearing from you uh, is is all about that like personal and mental health um, and like quality of life. Uh, mm. I, I love that. That's that's incredible because, like you said, no, like very few people um, understand that. But but back to the hiring piece <clears throat> for those listeners out there who are in a position where uh, maybe they feel like they're doing too much 
or they they want to hire, but they're not really sure like when's the right time to hire. How did you make those decisions and then go figure out where to where to pull people from? Yeah, so it's kind of a multifaceted question. You know, hiring is something you really only learn from doing. Like there's a, you can take all you can go talk to all kinds of business owners. You can get all the predictive text personality tests. You can get the SOPs in place, the onboarding process, the check-ins, the weekly scorecards, everything of that nature. You can get it all in place, but until you do it, it just doesn't doesn't matter. Um, you know, so hiring to me is the, the one thing that separates entrepreneurs that fail from ones that don't or entrepreneurs that are constantly chasing their tail, chasing the next deal, the next check. And they can't ever, you know, scale and, you know, build that bridge completely. So I think the main reason entrepreneurs burn out and fail, which I realized back then is because you don't have enough leverage because um, leverage is what allows you to live the life you want. Like if I want to be skiing the next three days, I can because I have an incredible team versus, you know, if you're a one man show. Yeah, you might be doing a million bucks and you're telling you taking home a little more from that company, but you know, you're, 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 you're discounting um, yourself because you, you don't have a lever to pull on. So for me, hiring is just a, a high leverage thing to do in any company. I think it's our duties to our duties also as entrepreneurs, you know, I'll give a few examples. Like my mom, uh, I love her to death, but she's ran a real estate company for 30 years and does very well every year as a kind of a one lady shop with one assistant, but it's, it's chaos. There's no, process no system no hiring there's no who does what when it's random and because of that you know she's 54 and she's still chasing the next check right because she never got out of the out of that seat so she never could focus on hey buying real estate or this and that um because she, she didn't, didn't give herself that leverage and she had every opportunity to so i think in any industry um it's important to you know bring people in you know what I kind of a strategy I like to do is I write down everything I do on a day to day basis, pretty much weekly. And, um, you know, I'll highlight in green stuff that can, that I truly believe can only be done by me. Um, stuff in yellow that's I can I can stuff that yellow I can delegate and then I take it a step further to kind of break down hours. Like what's the hourly rate for that task? And if I find myself doing a ten dollar hour task, I'm uh, doing myself a disservice on the company. So, um, yeah, I think it's everything in a business, whatever you're doing, whether you're a broker, you're an investor. Um, if you have revenue coming in the door, you got to start buying back your time and getting leverage. I love it. I love it. And, and I love that little piece about, uh, some tactical advice there. Um, <clears throat> and, and the, the story you shared about your, your mom is something that I think every realtor and broker can, can relate to. Um, you know, we call it the transaction treadmill and, and at some point, you know, you, you never get off and then you've got these, these realtors out there that are, um, much much older than your mom is and and they're like well i can't retire because i never i never set myself yeah. up i never did anything yeah. right i i don't have a retirement um so i'm i'm super intrigued as well about uh the call center you you mentioned that you built your own and now you've expanded into um the solar and and other lead sources um how did the call center come about what did um you know, what, what, what happened there? What was the driving force? Cause most real estate investors and pros are just like, Hey, you know, I'll go pick up the phone and, and find yeah. a call center. Right. I mean, you've got the, you could, you could throw a stone and find a call center in real estate. So why did you create your own? Yeah. You know, it wasn't on purpose. So I guess my, again, my thing with like any business I start that does well, I don't, I didn't, I don't start on purpose. And that's the thing I've kind of realized about golden object syndrome is like the businesses that you start from your core business end up being aligned with that company and skill sets you use in that company. And it shouldn't feel like a new business. It's just like, Oh, I have this, who else could use it? And so, uh, 
towards the beginning when we had that first office of 10 to 12 sales guys in office we needed a lot of leads and i i, I we were paying other services and it just didn't make sense because they weren't reliable they weren't trustworthy there's no one i could talk to it was hard to get a hold of them leads were inconsistent i'm like well let me try this thing out so i got connected kind of uh, by the grace of god to a uh to a guy in the philippines at the time that had worked for samsung at&t and had managerial experience in a call center he said hey we can do this thing together so i just went for it i had no idea what i was doing hired our first set of five to ten agents and again around them put in procedures processes quality assurance things of that nature grew that to about 50 agents and then at that time um a buddy of mine um elliot smith who uh we i still work with closely to this day he came up to me and he was like hey like i can use this in my company and not only can i use it in my company i think a lot of people i know can use this so he started shuffling me clients and two or three months later the, the profit from the because we were we were probably getting charged six dollars five dollars an hour and charging seven or eight and so two or three months later, the profit at the time was covering my whole company's marketing expense. And I was like, holy crap, there's something here. And then so there I kept I kept just one one off saying, hey, to my, one of my buddies said, hey, try this. And another buddy, hey, try this. And eventually that continued to spiral until I did a podcast. I did uh, Tucker Marihue's uh, uh, Real Deals podcast when I was like 2020, 2019. And uh, after the podcast, he called me and he was like, hey, I think you have something real here. Um, I've grown and sold many companies. If you think there's, you know, if you trust me, I, I think I know where to take this. If I step in as a partner, and I was like, yeah, come on down. So Tucker's been the CEO for a couple of years now. Um, and it's been incredible wow. that, that partnership. And, uh, so yeah, that's grown incredibly. And I think we just have a better operation. We treat it like a real company. Like that's, that's the one thing I think about having, uh, my two partners, Tucker, Mary and James Daner, like they just, they've grown and ran massive companies and they're they're very well known in the, in the real estate community so it's an easy sale as well on top of that but yeah we just have you know a real team we have a stateside team we have a real client concierge team we have a really good onboarding team we have really good product we built software around it to make investors life easy for tracking their leads managing their leads and things of that nature and um our, our stick is incredible we lose probably a year over year five to ten percent max of clients that we onboard um and yeah it's it's a very uh that real estate side that was how it started it's it's an incredible business and then we've spiraled off from there because it's a pretty the, the lead generation space in general is a kind of a infinite ceiling business so we're definitely taking advantage of that but again it wasn't on purpose same for our consulting stuff like that just came to be from me being on the bigger pocket show and that attention coming it was never like let's go teach this it was just people coming to me and saying hey how can i do it? What, what you guys do so that's my i think biggest advice is if something feels like it's outside of your current business um, or it's not something you already do that you can't just sell to someone else, probably don't do it at least for a long time because uh, that's where people get into trouble. Yeah. I want to go back awesome. to where you kind of talked about being a visionary versus like implementing systems yeah. and, you know, props to you for, for being that, that person that kind of is both. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, it really falls on either side, but this is something Brooks and I talk about a lot because we're both very visionary-esque. And then when it comes down to the day-to-day -day and the implementing systems, that's kind of where we, we feel that pushback. So do you have any, I guess, tactical advice for, um, I guess, one or the other, but I'm asking selfishly for, you know, implementing systems and kind of starting to integrate these visions um, that, that entrepreneurs tend to have? Yeah, you know, I think... Uh... I, I'm very um, I'm very agreed with the idea that you shouldn't do both unless you fall into that subset of the population that is that you need an integrator, right? Because I think eventually that's how you burn out if you're doing stuff that's not really in your zone of genius. Like the guys I know, like Brandon Turner, I'm very good friends with Brandon Turner now. And like that guy is an idea machine. Like he'll sit there 
until like I play poker with him till 4 a.m. in the morning. And he's throwing out ideas till 4 a.m. And he has to have those assistants and team assistants and team around him. And he'll t- he says it on podcasts that he's like notoriously lazy. He just throws out ideas like his brain works like I've never seen before. Um, and so he has to have a team around him to capture those and turn them into a system, a process, or a tool, or tell him no, hey Brandon, we can't do that. That's not going to work. Do that. So I would say there's nothing wrong with either. I would say kind of how I think about it is, you know, if you're have the vision, say you're a plane company, you have the vision of, oh, I want to build this amazing plane. It's going to be the best plane ever. Like it, you wouldn't go be the engineer too. Like you would hire an engineer. And I think, I think the same thing. I think, you know, kind of, it's kind of funny to use that analogy because my grandpa was a, um, he went to, he did 18 years of school. He became a Boeing engineer. He went back to Johns Hopkins, became a doctor and went back to school, became a lawyer. And so I think he had that kind of same brain that I do. It's very much like, because he built a law firm as build a business and also kind of be the engineer. Um, but I think if, if you don't fall in that subset, it's honestly better because you can focus on one thing. Um, so yeah, I don't think you, I don't think anyone should do both as a founder, as your bootstrap company, you have to do both for a while. You have to wear both hats, but even still you can go find cheap labor to build a system or build a process or a tool on Upwork. You can pay a developer $20 an hour for the software you're building, like whatever you're trying to do with the technology that's out there right now, you can find um, someone to do it. Uh, for you so you don't have to step into that role even if they're on call that you put them in a slack channel and they can facilitate whatever idea you have beautiful thank you i love it i love that i love that for those of you guys listening at home uh the the best way again to connect with cole is his twitter his tiktok his youtube and his instagram uh he also has a um a free wholesaling course that he offers completely free. And then if you are out there and looking to get connected with his call center, um, I've interviewed with them and, uh, and we'll be getting started with them shortly. So um, definitely recommend that those links are going to be in the, uh, in the show notes and um, Cole, I just, I have to plug those. I'm, I'm sorry. The uh, it's, it's free value. And uh, for those of you guys listening at home, um, we always try to help our guests, right? We help our guests and, um, and, and Cole was, uh, Cole before we got on was like, Hey, I don't really, I don't really plug a, a lot of my stuff, just, uh, send it to my social media, but I want to, uh, want to, want to promote that because I've been through that. And I think it's, I think it's great what you're doing and what you've got offering. So, um, <clears throat> really quickly, I want to turn now to the lightning round. So, um, the lightning round here is, the it's just rapid fire questions, short answers. Um, we just pick a few questions and uh, and drive them um, to you. And so let's get started. The first question I'm going to ask you, Cole, is what's your ideal vacation in one sentence? Oh man, my ideal vacation would be a place that's sunny with a beach and you could ski. That doesn't really exist. So I mean, they're going to be on a beach. Maui, Maui you're going to be skiing in Whistler. That's my ideal vacation. There you go. All right. Fair All enough. Right. What <laughs> is you in Maui? All... <laughs> right. What is your all-time favorite? Let's go business book. That's. It. I'm not a big reader. That's what I, people are surprised. Okay, we could go to podcasts too. I'm not a big podcast listener. <laughs> I'd say How that. do you consume new information? How do you consume new information? Is uh, a good question. I think uh, Twitter. I love Twitter. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a reader, but not a book reader. I'd say the books that I have read that have helped me is more time management, um, okay. four-hour work week, that kind of stuff is kind of how I've uh, kind of mapped out a lot of our companies and how we delegate. Um, and then podcasts. Um, when I do listen to a podcast, I like Alex Hormozzi, I like how his brain works around business. So 
um, that's probably the one I spend most of my hours listening to. Okay, perfect. I love it. Now you've talked a lot about um, quality of life, mental health, things like that. Who is the person that has most influenced that um, that line of thinking in your life? I have a good friend, uh, Will, who's been a big part of that. And also there's a guy named um, Mark Freeman. That's like a peer support guy who's um, works with a lot of business owners and been companies. And he's been a, a big person for me just and shaped like growing healthy companies in terms of how you delegate boundaries you set within your company and organization and for yourself around work, like setting boundaries for myself around work that like, hey, at certain times of the day, I'm, I'm just cutting myself off and I'm going to take a nap or hang out with my wife and um, respecting those. So things of that nature, he's been big for for me in that. And I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, enforcing boundaries on yourself as an entrepreneur. Otherwise you drive yourself into the ground. I love it. <clears throat> that's very accurate. Um, what are five things that you could not live without? Um, five things I could not live without. I would say one hot tubs, love hot tubs. Those are a big thing for me to settle myself down to, um, man, to, my wife, got to get that one in there. Got to throw that one in there. <laughs> Three, I would say um, work. I couldn't live without work. Family, four, and then five. I'm going to try to do a different one here. Five, I would say um, steaks. I'm a big steak guy, so I don't think I could live without steaks. I love it. I'm going to be thinking it. about a steak for the rest of the night. It sounds like I'm having that for dinner. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. That is a, uh, uh, not a lot of those answers would come from a Southern California kid. So that's, that's intriguing. Um, I'm not, I'm not a Southern California kid. <laughs> I'm from I, Seattle. I, I knew, yeah. I was going to say, I, I knew, yeah, from, from your, uh, you, you originally were not, but, yeah. um, as you've grown into it. All right. Well, based on the way you answered that question, I'm going to switch up this next question and say, what would be your vision for retirement? I don't want to retire. I think that's the big thing. I think that's what I think also allows me to be successful. Like the guys that I know retire, uh, they go downhill. Like my grandpa got kicked out of his law firm at 72, went downhill from there. My father-in-law, um, very big business guy. He was one of the larger, ran one of the larger financial practices in the world. Um, uh, and he still goes to the office every day, 75 wakes up, goes to the office and continues to, to, uh, he just sold his last company, but continues to operate every single day. And that keeps him going. And he's, he's young. Yeah. You think the guy's 45 with how just his personality, how up to date he is with everything. So that's my goal, man. My goal is to keep my body healthy and keep my brain into something for as long as I can. Um, I think it's a big part of what keeps people going into their late years as purpose. So I think work for me, isn't like a, told my wife last night she was like i was working in bed at like 11 p.m and she's like doesn't this like don't you like want to go have a lunch with a friend tomorrow or something I'm like no i just want to work and so i think i think for me that's what i found out is it gives me purpose a lot of the time so you know i don't want to i retirement's not something i even think about i love it all right all right <clears throat> i could kind of tell like i said i changed that up because of the the way you answered that question. All right. So final question. Um, this isn't part of the lightning round. This is just, um, we like to ask every guest this, if you lost everything except your knowledge, what would you do in your first 30 days to close a deal? Oh, a real estate deal. Yeah. I put this video out. This actually a couple of days ago on my Instagram. I think I would, I know what I would do. I would, it's very simple. I would, I would buy a list of people that live out of state, the state I want to be in. And I would call and text them every single day. 
and I would spend an hour to a day talking to them, make offers, and that's how to get my first deal. Um, and that would probably take 30 to 60 days. Like it's a very, very simple process to get your first deal or two. People overcomplicate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's uh, very, very simple. So um, <clears throat> we appreciate that. Cole, we appreciate you being on with us today. And uh, thank you all for joining us today. Mm -hmm.